I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey everyone, one quick programming note before we get started. The first episode of season eight of the podcast, which is all about love and money, is out now. Yay! And we thought that to celebrate the new season, it might be fun to sprinkle in a little extra love letters content with this money-themed sidebar. But if you haven't listened yet, go check out that first episode. It is a good one. And we've got some great stories I think you'll relate to all this season. New episodes drop every other Tuesday. Okay, on to today's sidebar. Welcome to another episode of Sidebar, where we talk about, you know, off-topic conversation, letters from the advice column, love letters. And we have special guests. So today, returning again, my sister, Brett. Hi, everybody. Okay, we're going to go through two letters today. I'm going to tell you what somebody wrote in, their problem, and you're just going to riff a little bit and tell me what you think, and we'll see if we agree, if if two sisters believe the same thing is the best advice. Okay, I've chosen this letter because it might remind you of somebody we've heard about. Meredith, I've been talking to this man on a dating app for seven months now. He's talking like he's getting serious, but we haven't even met yet. He talks about how he'll feel the day we finally meet, but he says he's not able to do that because of circumstances with his business. I really like him, but he's vague about what his circumstances are. He will not talk off the site because he says it is secure. How do I get him to open up about what's going on that makes it impossible for him to talk off the dating site? When I've pressed him about it, saying there's really no reason to communicate if he won't talk off the dating site, he gets defensive and says he doesn't want to lose me, and I give in. Any advice? So this is a person who's been talking to somebody for seven months who says he's very busy with his job and in a set of circumstances that make privacy very important. What do you think? Or, or just continue receiving the attention in this little capsule that you've created in your little app hole you can stay in your little in your little hole. See, I don't think I don't think this letter writer should even do that. I think this person is five steps from asking this person for money. Mm. I think this is a situation where it's going to be in another month. I could talk to you if you could help me with money. I mean, he he says he's not able to talk because of circumstances with his business. That, to me, is a major red... First of all, not not meeting up within seven months is a major red flag, but specifically naming business as the reason he can't get off of a dating app, 
I think he's either married. I think he's right. either looking for money. I think this is a scam. Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, right, it's, it's, it's married money or probably both. And, and, but this person is probably... I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're stupid. I don't know. But I will say that, like, there there is this thing that keeps pulling them back, which is the attention. So it's like, listen, if, you, if you're cool with not giving this person money, which you shouldn't, and if it turns into that, I would cut it off immediately. But if all you want is the, like, oh, my God, you're amazing, blah, 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 and you want to, like, live in this fantasy and just get attention and, like, know that, like, some of these, these like, little app texts are coming in, these little messages being like, oh, my God, you're beautiful. How's your day going? Blah, blah, blah. Like, if this feels, if this feels good to you, the problem is, is that if you want to be with a partner and it sounds like you do then what you're doing is you are preventing that from happening because all your attention is going to this tool yeah i don't see i can't see any positive of even taking the attention because it's not genuine and it's you know at that point you might as well like program a robot to you know to, to say nice things to you i do feel like this person wants a partner this person is saying how do i get him to open up you don't want him to open up i mean we've heard stories about people who you know, were courted for a long time and then asked for something terrible or lied to. If somebody can't be straight with you, to me, it's a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker at week three, not just month seven. Which goes back to my first word, which was run, run, run. Okay. Do we know if it's a, right. is this a woman or a man or we don't know? I don't think we know. Um, I don't think we know. And we don't know age. And I think that's relevant too. So, um, but uh, I mean, it, it's not in, in terms of the advice, but I did wonder a lot of, you know, when I get letters like this, a lot of our commenters wonder who's being targeted um, specifically for, you know, and catfished. So that's what what concerns me. And and people can be targeted at any age. But, you know, loneliness is a real issue. And I just hope that this person drops this communication and finds someone who will show up. Stop, drop, and roll. Brett and I field another letter after this quick break. Okay, are we ready for letter two? Yup. I recently got engaged to my long-term boyfriend. He's a fantastic person, and we share a lot of the same values. Recently, though... I haven't been able to stop thinking about my ex, not because he's a better partner, but because of his money. My ex-boyfriend was from an affluent family, and I grew up with the absolute opposite, poverty. My parents constantly fought about money, and we had to live with other family members during my childhood. As my relationship embarks on the next chapter, I have this irrational fear that I will live and raise my future family in poverty again. That being said, by no means am I in the same financial place I was in as a child. My family and I are all in a more financially secure place, and I live a way better life than I did as a child. However, in my mind, my ex-boyfriend's wealth represents true financial stability, something I lacked so much growing up. How can I tame these irrational thoughts? I absolutely love my current partner, but how can I stop thinking about my ex, who didn't share my values? What can I do to let my irrational fear of financial stability go? Thank you. Whoa. It's heavy, right? And my my first thought is just, this is such a good reason to go to therapy. This is like a deep-rooted, like, fear. And I, I just think it has very little to do with the ex and more about how to 
calmly plan a future with a partner and even to go to couples therapy with that partner because money is scary and it can be less scary with the right help. So I just think this is not a matter of pining over an ex. This is about really trying to figure out how, how to address a real fear. Absolutely. By the way, I just had a full-blown, in-tears, psycho meltdown this morning over this, over this very thing, that, like, I'm so easily, like, I it was so much drama, like, I am so triggered by this, and, like, because I get it. Yeah. I, I never had that, but, you know, we watched our mom dabble in it. And yeah. that was not cool because the other thing, too, and, and I guess this also goes back possibly to the sharing of the values thing and blah, blah, blah. Like, these were not the right men for her. They had a lot of money, but they weren't You're talking, really, about, you're talking um, about mom. Yeah, mom. Yeah. Um, like, they weren't all that sherry with it. And so she she was kind of in this weird prison because she wanted to, like— create the life she never had on any level as a child or adult and yeah i mean first of all meredith you could not be more right about this this is i mean this is full-fledged above my pay grade i I will say 100 percent. i mean my god am i gonna unpack this shit on wednesday in therapy like like this is this is this is some deep-rooted shit and, and you got to get a therapist and you should 100% like cuz that's the other thing if you are not aligned in terms of how you're going to build a future we don't know how old this person is right no i guess it doesn't really matter like if you're if you're going to be building a future with this person who is not yet a husband right if you don't feel safe then this kind of shit's going to come up in different, also different variations and so like different kinds of ways. So yeah, it is really like, it, it is about having a vision for the future, having a plan of how you're going to get there, where you feel like you're going to be okay, which doesn't necessarily mean sliding into somebody's old money or sliding into somebody's new money or like, or having the guy do it all for you or whatever it is, right? Like you have to figure out how, if you're going to, if you want to be with this partner, that you guys are going to do it together so that you don't feel like it's all you because my god do i understand well but but notice i mean this person does not say that they feel like it's all them like this is just about the other the ex having more generational wealth that's true So that's that i I think is just like knowing you're on the same page about money and values with your current partner And also knowing how you would support yourself. You know, I I think there are certain people, especially people who maybe had parents who didn't stay together, who really need to know that the only real form of safety that they can be sure about is that no matter what happens, they'll be okay on their own. I am recently coming off of having COVID and watching the first season of White Lotus, which is what one does during COVID and you haven't seen the first season of White Lotus. And I'm reminded of, you know, for those who haven't seen it, I won't spoil anything, but a character who is married into a wealthy family. And someone asks her, well, what's going to happen if you get a divorce? And even with all that wealth, she says, well, I still wouldn't be protected. Not really. And, you know, there is a an agreement that that means I'm I'm limited to what I can get. And I think any person should know that They have a plan for themselves no matter what happens in their romantic relationships. And that's not cynicism and me assuming people are going to break up. It's just like 
a peace of mind. And I just think it's so interesting that this letter writer says, my ex didn't share my values. Mm -hmm. There was probably less safety with that ex, despite the generational wealth, than there is with the current partner. So that's the kind of thing where I say, you're not seeing things clearly because of this fear. And that fear comes from a place and start talking about it. You know, we we had a single parent mother who I would not say was living in poverty, but was absolutely in a middle class situation she couldn't afford. And that made things really stressful. So it might make us feel like, well, having a partner with money would be nice um, because it'll make things safe. But that's not always the case. And it's certainly not the reality. So I just think this is the kind of thing where instead of trying to like fix your own brain and say, well, I know the reality, I know the logic of it, like talking about that childhood experience and talking about it with a partner, um, you know, with a professional and a partner and a financial advisor. I mean, that's my other piece of advice. It feels really good to hear from somebody. You guys are on the same page and you've got a plan. Like that's an expert too that you can talk to. So I, I just feel like, you know, there's some great self-awareness in this letter, but, uh, you know, go go talk to the professionals because it's not going to go away. But the X is not the answer. That's right. That's right. You're good at this. <laughs> it's almost like I should host a podcast and write a column. I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. No imposter syndrome today. Yay! All right. Well, thank you for checking in with letters. This has been a lovely sidebar and we'll get to more problems soon. Say goodbye, Brett. Goodbye, Brett. Good times. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Scott Hellman and Jesse Remedios. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Remember, you can always send your own letter to loveletters at boston.com. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.